This is an Equity Bates Media podcast. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. One of the big questions is, what is money? For practical purposes, it exists in a series of heterogeneous databases, very different databases. Do you believe in crypto? Digital currency may be an answer. But it is the highly speculative asset. I do own Bitcoin. There is no second best. Welcome to the Crypto Curious Podcast, designed to help you navigate the dynamic world of cryptocurrency. We are here for anyone who's interested in crypto at all. Maybe you've already dipped your toe in the water, or maybe you don't know anything about it, and this is the very beginning. But we recommend heading back to the early episodes to get your footing. However, if you think you're ready to dive headfirst, then let's do it. So this week, the boys have gone ahead and done an interview without me. They were lucky enough to speak with Stanny Kulichov. So Stanny was the creator and founder of Aave Protocol. Now, they'll speak a little bit about Aave, so get ready to hear all about it. Now, I've gone ahead and listened to this interview, so I won't tell you too much about it, but it is a really good one. I didn't expect to love this one as much as I did, but Stanny was amazing. And for me, some highlights. He really expected explained DeFi well. So listen out for that. And he's also got something amazing called the Lens Protocol. Now, Lens Protocol is a decentralized social media. This is phenomenal. Have a listen about that one. He also goes into detail about multi-chain worlds and how we're going to bridge networks, which is amazing. I won't go into too much and give it away there, but have a listen and see what you think. This is Blake and Craig speaking to Stanny, creator of Aave Protocol. Today, Blake and I are very pleased to be joined by Stani Kolachov, CEO of Aave. Stani, welcome to the Crypto Curious Podcast and thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me, Greg and Blake. All good. So I guess we'll kick things off. I'd love to hear how you got started in crypto and what brought you to where you are today. It, it was very unintentional. So I've been always interested in technology. I've been basically excited about programming in, in kind of like a high level programming languages and, and building applications through my uh, teen years. I then built servers. One of the servers I built into a vacuum cleaner uh, with my brother when we wanted to <laughs> create a so-called loan party for our Counter-Strike uh, tournament. So just just kind of like giving some context, like Pretty much if you want to host your own server, you, you basically had to create this kind of like a uh, non server. But then later, um, I started to get more excited about consumer facing applications and uh, started to build more uh, fintech applications in my um, early 20s. And that was the kind of like the first time I was uh, excited about, like very excited about finance at that time level that I wanted to actually build something for the public. That, that's the, like the uh, challenging part was that you had a lot of regulation in uh, fintech. So, you know, fintech was seen as amazing innovation, uh, you know, using technology to make payments, banking more seamless and solve a lot of issues, but there was sort of regulation involved. So I went and went to study law uh, instead of computer science 
doing my last kind of like a years of, of studies, I started to research blockchain as a kind of like solution to everything <laughs> as it was like 2016 and so forth. So yeah, pretty much we, we saw everything in those days. So I started to think of like how to use blockchain in, in uh, you know, making finance more uh, efficient and creating different kinds of uh, financial applications. And I, I basically created this idea of using cryptographic assets as a collateral to borrow funds against it uh, so that you don't need to sell your cryptographic assets that you are in a long position. And that's how like our first application, Eatland, uh, was created. Yeah, that's interesting. So just for our listeners, you're generally when you sell your cryptocurrency, you have to pay capital gains tax. Um, however, if you borrow against your assets, it's a way of creating liquidity without having to sell your, your crypto so you can stay long on um, on this amazing asset class. So yeah, that's really fascinating. And I certainly remember um, hearing about Ethland back when I started getting some media attention a few years ago. So how did um, how did Ethland then morph or, or evolve into Aave and what is Aave? So Aave essentially is, is, is basically like a continuation of, of Ethland. So uh, the Eatland model was more about finding peers. So someone will come and create a uh, so-called loan request. Someone will come and create some kind of like a uh, loan offer. So it was more of like a uh, order matching, user matching kind of like a uh, idea. Our protocol is more uh, efficient version of, of that. So essentially that you come as a asset supplier and you supply cryptographic assets and then you earn instantly uh, yield. So what happens is that you can withdraw those assets at any time. So it's not a fixed period uh, deposits. And then anyone can come and, and borrow other uh, assets as well. So it's pretty much like pooled liquidity. That's the, the, the innovation there. Essentially, every single version we had in Aave, there's some sort of kind of like improvement. Would you sort of like, how would you, just for our listeners, like we're pretty familiar with peer-to-peer lending in the traditional finance space. Would you say this is quite similar, but obviously it's not Ethereum and it's decentralized? It's even more further. So like peer-to-peer model has an issue of, of actually kind of like a bit of like chicken and egg. Unless it's like non-fungible assets, that's, that's a different story. But it, it's more of actually just making things very simple as, as you will basically de- deposit funds into a bank account or something. So you're earning yield. So what we did with smart contracts, we, we essentially created pools where you can earn instantly but also you can draw liquidity instantly. And you can do a lot of innovation on smart contracts because you're essentially improving the current financial infrastructure. So just to give some more perspective is that when I was building fintech applications, the big difference there was that you were, you were, you were always like innovating on the front end of the applications and, and, and finance, so the user experience. In, in decentralized finance, you are innovating in the, in the back end of the Finance, so you're improving, you know, the capital efficiency. You're you're improving the movement of, of capital, liquidity, yield opportunities, and constantly innovating. And and the the the, the most coolest part is that the whole uh, ecosystem is uh, open, meaning that pretty much everything is built on open source technology. You know, anyone can take the Aave code, improve it, make direct contributions, uh, change things, and and, and just essentially create a lot of uh, improvement in, in that sense. So like like constant innovation, I would say. So that's why when we say that there's sort of things happening in DeFi, the reason is because the barrier to enter is very low 
anyone, any part of the world can can just develop new things on, on, on top of the DeFi ecosystem. And this is why there's like so many things happening at the same time. Yeah, no, it's definitely fascinating. So what made you um, want to attack the, this problem of like liquidity and lending as opposed to something else? I've, I think maybe the reason is that it's just like as a conceptually for me, it's more kind of like impactful. Like I, I think trading assets itself is, is very valuable, but I just think that when it comes to access to finance and, and thinking of impact, you know, the, the potential that DeFi can actually solve is that everyone gets the same equal opportunity, the same yield, no, no matter where you are. Uh, that's like one thing. But then the kind of like a next layer of, of thinking of impact is that how we can empower, you know, people in our world and, and create uh, loans that are backed and financed from, from decentralized finance. So like I see a lot of empowerment in credit and, and lending markets than, than, for example, in, you know, trading. But both are equally important infrastructures. I just feel personally that there is more empowerment when when you finance a opportunity, you finance an entrepreneur somewhere around the world and create new opportunities. That's like a very valuable narrative for me. Yeah, for sure. No, that's 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 awesome, Stanny. It'd be just really interesting to hear about some of the highlights from your journey at Ave um, over the last you know five years or so. Yeah, I think that one of the highlights for us every single product release, protocol release has been a highlight. So essentially, after Eatland, we we had three versions. So those releases have been quite quite significant, and there is roughly fifteen billion worth of value locked and secured by the, the Aave protocol smart contracts across multiple networks. So that's like a very fascinating highlight. But 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 also the fact that, you know, our team isn't like actually like we're not finance experts. We're we're basically innovators and we we, we basically just try to solve problems and, and make finance more efficient. And and, and somehow with, with people uh, in our team with different backgrounds we're able to solve like very conceptually big things. So that's like a big highlight for us that, you know, it doesn't matter what's your background, where you're coming from, you know, you can actually solve any problem if you put the mind into it and you have the right people around you. So just, that's, that's really awesome. Like I remember the days of Ethland and then the, every single, I know you guys are on V3 at the moment. Question that I had is for our listeners and for me is how does Ave work? Like, is it a DAO? Like what's the governance process? Like how do you guys get stuff done? Yeah, that's a very cool question because like essentially what smart contracts are in Aave Protocol is is a set of rules uh, based on smart contracts, how the, the protocol behaves. The, the interesting part is that we, the, the Genesis team uh, who created the protocol, we can't actually change how the protocol acts. So we, uh, we cannot change the interest rate curves. We, we cannot change the, the risk parameters in the protocol those are things that we, we, we can't go arbitrarily change compared to, let's say, if you will be hosting a social media platform or a uh, finance platform with a database, we, could, we will be able to do that. But the idea of decentralization is that once you deploy a protocol and it's governed by the, uh, the AlvaDAO, you have a formalized process of how you can actually change anything within the protocol. And that includes, includes the interest rate curves, assets that are being listed into the protocol, even how the protocol will be built and evolved in, in the future. And this is very valuable because it means that finance in general is such an important infrastructure. So it shouldn't be governed by one company or 
the creators, it should be governed by the public, the users that are actively using the protocol. Mm, that's a real that's a really key point. We've spoken about that. Like this whole sector is like power to the people rather than traditional finance. It's in the big banks and government's best interest. But yeah, that's awesome. We've kind of touched on, you know, what you, the, the problems that you're trying to solve, but it'd be really interesting to hear a little bit more about one of the products that you have, um, Ave Arc, and how do you see that evolving over the coming years? Yeah, I, I think in terms of like the, uh, the Ave Arc protocol, it's, it's a kind of like a new implementation of the, the Ave version 2 markets where we have this so-called whitelister feature. And the idea of it is that you can create a completely private market. The, the market itself has been deployed in the Ethereum network, meaning that you have the same public blockchain transparency. But the key differentiator here is that you have this so-called whitelister functionality. So uh, the other governance can list new whitelisters. And it means that a whitelister can actually uh, decide to whitelist addresses that can interact with the protocol, uh, depositors, borrowers, and, and liquidators. And in that sense, what happens is that uh, you, you basically can create additional requirements on how to join the, the Ave Arc market. So currently we have as a first whitelister, there's Fireblocks. They're whitelisting their uh, basically uh, non-custodial users that has passed their compliance requirements. And the second whitelister voted by the Ave governance is the Bank Siba. Figma regulated bank uh, in in Switzerland. So it's basically, I would say, kind of like the idea is that we create this kind of like sandboxed market for institutions to try the smart contract environment and and get the transparency that they get from the EFI, smart contract execution, uh, the governance. And ideally, this will give more comfort to understand what is DeFi and, and also over long term participate in the wider DeFi ecosystem. Right, right. So they would be lending and borrowing from one another or they would be tapped into the larger liquidity pools there? It's 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 the pooled uh, model. So so basically, it, it works in a similar fashion that once you're whitelisted, you can basically uh, deposit assets and earn at the moment. So there isn't like peer-to-peer model here, but, but it's actually completely pulled. Yep. Okay. That makes sense. The next one that's really interesting as well that we wanted to quickly touch on was um, Lens Protocol. Now it's a pretty ambitious problem to solve, decentralized social media. And of course, there's been lots happening in that space over the last few weeks. So do you want to give us a quick overview of Lens Protocol and kind of what prompted you to embark on that project? Yeah, we heard you were the new CEO of Twitter, Stani. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, that's very, very, uh, it's very funny. Uh, that's, uh, yeah, I mean, essentially, I, I mean, what happened in the Twitter is that Elon Musk basically is buying Twitter, meaning that Twitter will be private owned by uh, Elon Musk. The, the kind of interesting part is I was uh, joking around that I'm going to be the new interim CEO of Twitter as a kind of like a the similar jokey way as, as Elon Musk posts himself. So what happened in that sense is that I got suspended, even though I published a roadmap a 90-day roadmap to actually state, um, you know, that what kind of things we're going to ship. Part of it was the edit button that we wanted to ship a week later and also uh, support for Ethereum, ENS, um, and also uh, integrate with the Lens protocol. And that's like, that got me suspended and, and got me also think that, you know, I pretty much lost my access to my, my uh, profile, to my audience, my followers. So... The, the most challenging part here is for me is that 
like what we're trying to solve with Lens Protocol is that essentially that you can actually create your profile on chain, which is tokenized as NFT. So you can transfer and store it in your cold storage, whatever. But also you have on-chain follow relationships. So every following is a follow NFT as well. So let's say if I uh, follow Blake, uh, you know, I'm his number one fan, I get the follow NFT number one. And, and those follow NFTs are dynamic. So if Blake updates content, the, the follow NFTs will always reflect the latest content. So if I go and look at the NFT in my wallet or OpenSea, I will always see the latest content. So that it's a uh, permissionless way to communicate with your audience, which is very uh, important and fascinating. And the idea here is that we wanted to create a protocol uh, which solves the idea of ensuring the profile ownership and gives that back to the users. So essentially, every application built on top of the Lens protocol, their curated user experiences uh, for the protocol, meaning that uh, if you bring a new user to your application, the whole network will benefit. And same if someone, some other application will bring a user. The value here is fascinating because if one of those applications will go down or they don't display your content, there will be all, there will be someone else that might have a content curation or bring an experience that that supports your content. So this is the the, the big value proposition of, of Lens Protocol. And if we can, if we have the ability to own our own assets, we can also own our own profiles and also our communication channels with our audiences the same way. And that's what what Lens Protocol is about. Yeah. So what's your go? What's the go to market strategy here? Do you um, build the protocol and they will come and build on top, or are you you know actively seeking out your know, partnerships with social media platforms to be able to get them to you know, leverage your know, components of of the protocol, or you, yeah, how are you kind of um, attacking that? Yeah. For us, it's uh, pretty much like our idea was to create the, the protocol and make it as flexible as possible. So the protocol is using a lot of uh, NFTs in in its structure. The profiles are token as NFTs followers, but also it's very modularized. So you have follow modules, you have collection modules. So all content are collectible as NFTs as well. So if you have a latest post that you post and I like it very much, I can collect it and you can set a fee to collect it as an immutable NFT. So essentially you can drop your NFTs directly in in the protocol uh, to your audience. But we wanted to make it as agnostic as possible to any like social media use case. And I think the the most fascinating use cases will be uh, the ones that figure out the new way of interacting with the content. And I think we'll see a lot of innovation because uh, previously participating in and in, in building social media applications is, is quite hard because you need to get that uh, network platform effect very quickly uh, within a couple of years. Otherwise, the, the, the application might actually die in that sense. So, But Web3 social networks, they are compounding. So over time, they every new user will benefit that all the applications within that social graph. And because you don't need to, as a uh, application developer, uh, specifically social media application de- developer, entrepreneur, you don't need to focus on that platform effect. You can put your focus into building better experiences and, and you will get the traction if you figure out that experience. And that's the whole idea of, of getting more people building new things. Wow, that's really fascinating. And I'm really looking forward to watching how that evolves over the next few years. For sure. Just wanted to um, 
maybe bring it back to DeFi a little bit. Um, would love to get your take on DeFi, like where where you see the space is at now, where do you see it in ten to twenty years? Well, that's that's hard. I mean, <clears throat> like a lot of things happen in in just few weeks in DeFi. Crystal ball, uh, a crystal ball. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's hard. Um, I don't know. I I would love to see some some more impact impactful stuff. Like we've built a lot of things that already exist in finance. We make it we made it more efficient in the DeFi ecosystem, I would love to see more impactful things. I would love to see actually something very fascinating, like, you know, where we can use the blockchain to empower um, hundreds of millions of people across globally and see kind of like a new economics being built around that. So I think that's the future of DeFi where we're not limited into the, you know, traditional financial concepts, but we can actually try and innovate something new. And blockchain is as it best, it's, it's a way of distributing ownership very quickly to, to the users, any part of the world. So that's the, the, the biggest value we can we can see. So I, I would say that probably those things are very fascinating. And and now I think DeFi is, is quite a lot about, you know, getting capital into DeFi with, with different kinds of yield opportunities, but will be uh, fascinating to actually see something where we take capital out of DeFi and finance real life uh, opportunities as well. That's a really good point. And um, I remember like the first, you know, DeFi summer to mid 2020, that was when Aave really, you know, got a lot of love and it would, the, the gas fees were just insane. And I would love to get your thoughts on how do you think gas fees, because I think gas fees are actually sort of stifling the the ability to reach hundreds of millions of people. So like, how do you see, you know, gas fees playing a part and how do you see, you know, layer twos trying to solve that problem? Yeah, I, I would say that gas fees, layer twos, like they will definitely solve, like, like the, the beauty of layer twos is that it's a kind of like a permissionless, you know, there can be as many layer twos as there's people or uh, or animals in the in the planet. So like it's like a permissionless way to kind of like use Ethereum to settle transactions uh, and use inherit the Ethereum security. So I think we're gonna see lo- plenty of innovation. And I don't think like the like layer two layer twos are gonna be a very good place to transact. Uh, but also like secure transactions in a in a more like bulk and use Ethereum uh, or any other like layer one like Avalanche, even Polygon is 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 basically focusing on layer twos at the moment. So like, and and there's things like Medis that are that is also kind of like trying to get more builders and and innovate more layer twos and and build new things. So like, I would say that uh, the future will be that we might see a lot of layer twos that are specific. So. Some layer two might focus on, on more of a gaming. You might have a different DeFi ecosystem, but there is some sort of interoperability between all of them. So that's the kind of like a uh, future I I would see. But it's a fascinating idea of like getting more transaction uh, bandwidth and then then at the same time lowering the transaction. You mentioned a layer two for every animal, like because I've noticed there's a bunch of layer twos popping up, like Arbitrum, Optimism. Like, do you think we could get saturated with it? And it really, like as you said, only maybe a few will actually win. Yeah, I, I guess like there's um, there, there definitely can be multiple brands, but also like if there's some specific use cases, uh, specific technicalities towards one particular um, two that that might happen. So I, I think there's sort of space. 
uh, for all of them. And we'll still see newcomers as well, especially if there's innovation on the tech side. For sure. So you see like a, a multi-layer two world, but does that extend to a multi-chain world as well? Do you think that obviously we see many different chains in the ecosystem all trying to kind of specialize or find their niche? But this is, seems like it's going to create tension between or competition between layer twos on top of Ethereum. Um, how do you see that playing out? Do you think it's all going to you know, shift towards one chain and then everyone's going to build on top of that? Or it's you know, firmly going to be a, a multi-chain world that is used in the broader economy? Um, yeah, good question. I think uh, I think that definitely like multi-chain because, you know, there is... There's different ecosystems, and and I think the challenge is the bridging. How do you bridge assets between one network to another? So so essentially, like what I hope will happen is that there will be less need of a bridging because you have everything what you need. So so like bridging should be essentially the same thing as you will move a move from one city to another, like relocation. So let's say that if you move from New York to London, that will be bridging, but otherwise you will not do that. Like you will not pack all your packs and belongings and and move and and that, that's that's the kind of idea like i will definitely see more of like growth in in layer twos and and actually like uh vertically than than in in, in horizontally with with the bridging so yeah it, it'd be really interesting as well just to hear um we hear a lot of a lot of buzzwords and a lot of people hear a lot of buzzwords that come out of um, crypto and DeFi. of course you know it'd be really good just to get an explanation of how you see DeFi 3.0 compared to, to DeFi 2.0 and, and kind of what that means? Yeah, I, I really don't believe in the versioning because I like I think like even like, like I, I would rather see like something very innovative before the Simon 2.0. I think it's very much the same kind of like making the current financial ecosystem basically like uh, having analogy from the traditional financial ecosystem and make it more efficient in, in Web3 using smart contracts and interoperability and so forth. But I, I think like the real 2.0 where we actually make a bigger impact to people. I think that's where that, that's where my interest is. So you're saying it's market buzzwords again. <laughs> <laughs> Typical crypto. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah, so obviously you're like a pioneer of the space. Would love to know, I think you've mentioned it, like what are you most excited for? not just DeFi, but as crypto as a whole. I know you mentioned about Lens Protocol, social, like giving back to the creators. What are you most excited about besides those things? I, I think in terms of like excitement, um, well, definitely Web3 social is 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 a big thing for, for, for us now. So that's where a lot of focus is on in, at the current state. But also kind of like I'm, I'm very interested in the whole like NFT Ecosystem. I mean, I've been collecting NFTs quite a lot. I think I have over five thousand NFTs, and and it's something which is very fascinating because it's it's a uh, it represents a lot of like the Web three culture, and it's a form of self expression as well. So definitely, like I, I think, like over long term, there's sort of value in 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 that space and and, and empowering uh, creators. So, so that's definitely something I'm, I'm very uh, excited about. All right. Well, um, I think that's a really great note to finish on. We just would really like to thank you for joining us today and, and teaching us a little bit more about, you know, Aave and DeFi. And um, I think, you know, that's really going to go a long way for our listeners. So, yeah, we very much appreciate your time, Danny. Perfect. Thank you so much. Thanks so much, mate. It's been great chatting. Thank you. 
So there you go. That was Stanny. I hope you loved that as much as I did. I really took a lot out of that interview, but I want to know what you loved about it. So please do reach out and let us know what you loved about the podcast today. Have you got someone that's purchased some Arve? Have you yourself looked into the Lens Protocol? Send us an email at podcast at getbamboo.io or follow us on social media. And make sure you hit the follow button so whenever you're listening to us like right now, you don't miss out on an episode and you get notified every time we release a new one. We'd also love for you to share the podcast with your friends and family. Maybe you've got someone out there that's looking forward to hearing a bit more about DeFi and this will help them out. We also want to make sure that you share this podcast with all your crypto curious friends out there. Send them our way. Copy an episode of this link and send it to your friends. And don't forget to rate and review us in your podcast app. Thanks again for listening and we'll see you next episode. Bye for now. Crypto Curious is a product of Equitymates Media. All information in this podcast is for education and entertainment purposes only. Equitymates gives listeners access to information and educational content provided by a range of financial service professionals. It is not intended as a substitute for professional finance, legal or tax advice. The hosts of Crypto Curious are not aware of your personal financial circumstances. Equitymates Media does not operate under an Australian financial services license and relies on the exemption available under the Corporations Act of 2001 in respect of any information or advice given. Before making any financial decisions, you should read the product disclosure statement and, if necessary, consult a licensed financial professional. Do not take financial advice from a podcast. For more information, head to the disclaimer page on the Equitymates website where you can find the ASIC resources and find a registered financial professional near you. In the spirit of reconciliation, Equitymates Media and the hosts of Crypto Curious acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to the elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people today. The living room is where you make life's most beautiful memories. But your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant, high-performance furniture collection from Ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. Ashley high-performance sofas and recliners are soft, on-trend, and easy to clean. Shop the high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home.